Welcome, listeners, to the next chapter of Southern Grimoire. I'm your host, K.D. Burr. It's the time of year when the weather gets cooler, when porches are covered with decorative haystacks and pumpkins, and scary movies play day and night on all the best channels. I myself watch horror movies year-round, but the days before Halloween give me the perfect excuse to indulge in what I find to be a terribly underrated genre, zombie films. The concept of reanimated corpses is both wonderfully interesting and terribly frightening. Whether by alien parasite, mutated virus, biochemical warfare, or voodoo curse, the threat of a zombie outbreak seems possible to many, and that's what makes them so scary. In fact, zombies already exist in the insect world. Researchers from Harvard University found fossils in Germany that confirmed the existence of zombified carpenter ants as long as 48 million years ago. These ants are still turned into mindless minions in the present day by infectious fungal parasites called Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. Doctors David Hughes and Harry Evans have been studying cordyceps fungi for decades and have found that not only does the parasite affect a variety of ant species, it has the capability to evolve to match the ant's various life cycles. A stunning example of evolution, to be sure, and one that makes you wonder, could the fungi evolve to infect other species? Dr. Saskia Hogenhout and her colleagues discovered examples of mutated zombie plants affected by phytoplasmas, or bacterial plant parasites. The phytoplasmas are spread to the unsuspecting greenery by insects who feed on plant sap. The insects would land on a plant and leave behind this unique bacteria, which secretes proteins that completely alter the plant's molecular process. In fact, the process is so disrupted that the plant begins to transform itself entirely. Flowers on the plant gradually morph into leaves. This makes the plant more attractive to leaf-hopping insects, which in turn means the infectious bacteria is picked up and spread more rapidly by hungry bugs. These phytoplasmas are interesting because unlike many zombie parasites, the host organism doesn't die as a result of the infection. It merely mutates. Not unlike the transformation humans undergo in some of your favorite zombie films. While there are multiple examples of zombies in the wild, the question remains, do human zombies exist? The word zombie comes from the Congo word for soul, nizambi, and the West Indian term jumbi, meaning ghost. The modern idea of zombies comes from a mix of old African beliefs, Haitian culture, and the voodoo religion. Zombies are still a very present figure in Haitian culture, and most accounts of the real Walking Dead originate there. In his book, The Magic Island, 
Author William Seabrook recounted a strange and macabre incident. A voodoo priest called Joseph created a number of zombies to use as a labor force, working for a sugar company near Port-au-Prince. Joseph's wife, while looking after the zombies, made a grave mistake. She fed them a snack containing salt an ingredient which is believed to cause the undead to gain awareness of their predicament. Once a zombie understands what has happened to him, he can no longer be controlled. Once Joseph's undead workers ate the salt, they broke free from their ropes and fled to the cemetery, determined to reach their final resting places. They collapsed to the ground and began to dig but the moment they touched the earth with their bare hands, they crumpled into lifeless corpses. Georges de Rouquet, a French anthropologist, traveled to Haiti for research in 1930. He was afforded the opportunity to study four zombies and wrote about them in his diary. Toward evening, we encountered a group of four male figures coming from the nearby cotton field where they had been toiling. I was struck by their peculiar, shambling gait, most unlike the lithe walk of other natives. The overseer with them stopped their progress, enabling me to observe them closely for some minutes. They were clothed in rags made from sacking, their arms hung down by their sides, dangling in a curiously lifeless fashion. Their faces and hands appeared devoid of flesh the skin adhering to the bones like wrinkled brown parchment. I also noticed that they did not sweat, although they had been working and the sun was still very hot. I was unable to judge even their approximate ages. They may have been young men, or quite elderly. The most arresting feature about them was their gaze. They all stared straight ahead, their eyes dull and unfocused, as if blind. They did not show a spark of awareness of my presence, even when I approached them quite closely. To test the reflexes of one, I made a stabbing gesture toward his eyes with my pointed fingers. He did not blink or shrink back. But when I attempted to touch him, the overseer prevented me, saying that this was not permitted. My immediate impression was that these creatures were imbeciles made to work for their keep. My guide, Baptiste, however, assured me that they were indeed the zombies, that is, dead persons resurrected by sorcery and employed as unpaid laborers. As the daylight began to fade and the workday came to an end, de Rouquet watched as the zombies were chained together and locked in a small, windowless shed. He wanted to investigate further, but Baptiste insisted that they leave right away telling de Rouquet that their safety could not be guaranteed at night. A Catholic priest serving a small Haitian village relayed a most peculiar tale to author Richard Cavendish. In 1959, a zombie wandered through this particular village and into a private courtyard. It was eventually captured and bound with rope before being brought to the local police station. The police gave the creature a glass of salt water 
and it immediately was able to recall his name and the village where he had previously resided. The police were stunned and incredulous, and contacted a woman the creature said was his aunt. They also called the Catholic priest. The aunt positively identified the creature as her nephew and said that she'd last seen him at his own funeral over four years before. When the priest questioned the creature about how he had been resurrected, he said that there were others like him and they were all forced to serve a local witch doctor. The police knew of the man and they became terrified. Soon after questioning, the apprehended zombie mysteriously died, and the local authorities arrested the witch doctor for murder. When they attempted to rescue the other zombies, the witch doctor's wife freed them and fled with them into the hills, never to be seen again. One of the most well-known zombie stories is the curious case of Clervius Narcisse. In 1962, a once perfectly healthy Narcisse suddenly and inexplicably fell deathly ill. After being rushed to the hospital, he was declared dead. Narcisse said later that although he could see and hear his surroundings, he was unable to move or speak. He remembers his own wake, his funeral, and the sound of dirt hitting the lid of his coffin. The next thing he remembers is being forced to work in the fields with about a hundred others, who all seemed to be as groggy and slow-moving as he was. But these zombies weren't the rotting, reanimated corpses we're used to seeing in popular films. In fact, there was a simple, but sinister, explanation for this undead workforce. Narcisse and the others had been drugged by a voodoo priest, and a doctor was bribed to pronounce them clinically dead. Soon after they were buried, they were dug up and forced into slavery, where they were continually drugged to maintain their docile and obedient state. But these zombies escaped. Narcisse had been a zombie for over two years when the field overseer forgot to drug the slaves. As a result, many of them began to regain their consciousness and worked out what had been going on. Enraged, they mobbed the overseer and beat him to death. Narcisse fled, but remained homeless for some time. He was frightened to return home because he believed it was his own brother who had sold him into slavery. Almost two decades later, after his brother had passed away, Narcisse finally felt safe enough to return to his village, much to his family's surprise and joy. It's been a subject of debate for years. What substance is used to make zombies like Narcisse? There are several possibilities, but I find the most likely to be burundanga, a tasteless and odorless powder made from scopolamine, an alkaloid found in nightshade. The powder, when ingested, causes acute intoxication, disorientation, and amnesia. People under the influence of Burundanga are extremely pliable, willing to do whatever they're told, and unable to remember a thing about it later. 
Nightshade has been used in witchcraft for centuries. It's certainly possible that witch doctors and voodoo priests have made good use of it as well. Whether a zombie outbreak comes in the form of a mysterious drug, an alien parasite, or a government experiment gone wrong, there are a few important things to remember. Don't fight zombies if you don't have to. If you don't have a quick and easy headshot, it's best to avoid all contact with them if possible. Keep quiet and don't draw attention to yourself or your group. Find a good hiding spot and fortify it. Make sure you have a way to filter water, whether you make something yourself or use a product like Life Straw. It's a good idea to have goggles and a face mask. Keep yourself safe from infection and from blood spatter. Always have a first aid kit on hand and be sure to brush up on your basic survival skills. This means being comfortable with building fires, setting snares, and foraging, and knowledge of local plants that are safe to eat is important. You can never be overprepared for a zombie outbreak. This week's mini-episode of Southern Grimoire has been brought to you by Cryptid Crate. If you enjoy the spooky, the strange, and the unexplained, check out Cryptid Crate, the first and only supernatural and cryptozoology-themed monthly subscription box. Follow them on Instagram at Cryptid Crate for more information. That's all for this bonus chapter of the Grimoire. For more information on things that go bump in the night, find me on Instagram at Southern Grimoire or follow my Facebook page. Until next time, listeners, remember, there is no darkness that cannot be overcome by light. <laughs>